the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Yes, indeed. Time for another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show with Larry Rosenthal himself in studio here with us, our financial and retirement planner. Good morning, sir. Well, good morning to you, Chris. How are you today? I am blessed and happy to be here today. I really am. So. You always bring a good smile to the studio, that's uh, for sure. Yeah, it's an exciting day. Just just a nice, sunny, beautiful day that God has made for us today. And just an exciting, exciting thing to be alive. That's what I think. This is true. This is absolutely true. Good time, too, you know? Good times. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. We missed you last week. I was out, had a little vacation. You're Very allowed. Nice, You're relaxing. Authorized. Yeah, yeah. So it was good. That's great. Not too far away. So Dina did a great job as she usually does. So it was very nice to get get a day off every once in a while, right? Well, in the summertime, it's nice to get away with the family a little bit and enjoy. I agree. Yep, definitely. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal's show here. Um, you know, we usually start the show off with what's going on in the markets, the economy, and, and so we'll get into a little bit of that this morning, and I've got uh, lots of questions and subject matters to talk about today, so we'll be uh, packed full of, of information this morning, and um, not, not a lot of uh, uh, big economic news this past week, but, you know, we did see a, a pretty much a sharp decline in, in energy prices over the past week, and... and um, that's kind of sort of lead into how the Fed is going to, you know, the Fed's wanting to get a, a, a 2% inflation target. And with the the sharp decline in, in oil prices here recently, that's going to be sort of a hard target to hit. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that, that, that plays out a little bit. Bottom I'm not line complaining is complaining too much about it. I'm kind of enjoying the prices of gas. I know. I know. I, I tell you. So, and, and, um, uh, you know, so that's kind of a, you know, catch-22 there. Well, you know, we, we want the economy percolating along a little bit more, but at the same time, we don't want to pay higher prices of the pump either, Chris. That's right. That's so, right. I, yep, I agree. So, you know, and over, over in Europe, the Brexit talks are underway, and uh, um, Bank of England is in sort of a conundrum. What are they going to do with interest rates? Are they going to raise interest rates, or are they going to keep interest rates the same? So we'll have to stay tuned for that. And um, the U.S. Uh, banks went through the first round of stress tests th- this past week, and, and things look pretty good there. So, um, you know, not a lot of news this, this week on, on the economic front. Uh, markets continue to, to uh, float up a little bit higher. 
uh, which is good news for everybody who, who's invested there. And we're going to talk about that today a little bit on what percent of people own stocks versus versus not owning stocks. Next week, we've got a lot of information coming out. Durable goods, the Case-Shiller Home Price Index, retail sales, um, different types of economic uh, indicators, uh, the first first print here at GDP, uh, revisions of the first quarter. So personal incomes and, and spending, it's a, it's a big one that I take a look at. That comes out next Friday on June 30th. So, so uh, lots of economic data that comes out next week. Some market moving indicators will be coming out as well. So sort of stay tuned to see to see exactly what happens there. But, you know, make sure that you're always diversified within your portfolios and you're investing according to your your income needs, liquidity needs and your risk acceptance levels. That's very important as well. So, um, you know, hopefully the markets will continue to to rise and the economy continuing to expand a little bit. So, you know, Chris, a couple of weeks ago, we or, or, or a handful of years ago, we used to have a program here. Uh, we used to have a segment in, in the program called the email bag. I remember. Yep, and I told you I was going to bring the email bag back. And people can go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and shoot me off an email. We'd be happy to to uh, respond to you during the week with any of your, your questions that you may have. There's all kinds of questions that come in all the time. And um, people people just call the office asking questions. They shoot off emails asking questions. So I thought I'd bring in some questions uh, this this week here. Should I get Bob to come in here and sing the email jingle for us? There you go, Bob. <laughs> come email on in, jingle. Bob. <laughs> <laughs> we get letters. I can hear it now. It'll be great. We get letters. Anyway. Yep, right. yep, there you go. So I've got a couple of email uh, questions here that I wanted to bring in and, and, and ask. And, and one of them here is, um, you know, I, if I want to leave money to my sister, uh, I, I assume one day when someone passes, uh, will it be taxed to her? And and the answer is generally no. However, it depends on the origin of the money. For example, if if you were to to leave money from your overall estate, let's say you wanted to leave your sister, oh, I don't know, a hundred thousand dollars, and um, uh, you know you 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 wanted to leave it from your overall estate, where would it come from? Well, it can come from investment accounts or or. IRAs or non-IRAs, or it could come from real estate sale proceeds or wherever it may come from. So it depends on the origin of the dollars as to the tax impact to the heir. Again, if the money's coming from a, a non-IRA account, then there's probably going to be no taxes involved for the beneficiary. But if it's coming from a an IRA account, a 401k, the government TSP, something like that, in, in a place that's never been taxed before, then when the dollars actually come out of the account into someone's pocket, that's when they're going to have to pay taxes on it, uh, when, if, especially from an inheritance standpoint there. Now, now the, the non-spousal beneficiary in this case can have a few different choices as to how to receive the dollars. If the money were to come from an IRA type of an account, they could take a lump sum and have to pay taxes on all of it right away. There's a possible way that they could pull the money out over a five-year period of time and minimize the tax that tax hit, or at the same time, they could take what's called the multi-generational or the lifetime tax advantage stretch IRA option, where they can pull the dollars out a little bit over time. I'm sorry, pull, pull the dollars out systematically over their lifetime. At the same time, 
using that option, they could always reach in and take out lump sums if they ever desired to do so. So, so sort of first question there, you want to leave money to your sister, uh, will it be taxed? Probably not unless the dollars are coming from an IRA type of an account. So it all goes back to the origin of the dollars on how, how you got them to begin with as to what the taxes will be when they come out to someone else. Good question. You know, mm-hmm. lot, lots, of, lots of good questions there. Um, another, another question I have here is uh, with the markets at an all-time high now, is it a good time to take my required minimum distribution? So so let's get into this for, for people that aren't familiar with what RMDs are, required minimum distributions. When you're 70 and a half or older, you're required to start taking out a required minimum distribution each year from your retirement accounts. I didn't realize that there was, there was an option of when you could take it out during the year. That's, that's a whole new paradigm. I hadn't thought about that before. Yeah, it has to come out that tax year. Chris. But any time in that year. Any time in that year. That, so that's this exactly guy's asking correct. about timing, about when is the best time to take it Exactly. Out. So the way the, the way the calculation works here on the required minimum distribution, the age 70 and a half or over rule, is that you take the prior year's December 31st account balance. So, so right now, people that are having to take out their required minimum distribution in the tax year of 2017, they're taking it out based off of the December 31st 2016 account ending balance amount. So let's suppose that the account ending balance amount. Let, let's suppose that the yeah that the account ending balance is is say five hundred thousand dollars at the end of 2016, and today maybe it's worth five fifty because the market's gone up. Okay, so is it a good time to take the dollars out? Well, yeah. Because you know? you're using last year's ending balance. Well, you, you have to use last year's ending balance, but basically now you're taking the dollars out and the market has repaid back probably a good portion of what you're required to take out. That makes sense? Well, yeah, it does make sense. It's interesting. Can you plan then for that? But you can't really plan what that balance is going to be very well at the end of the year because you'd like it to be lower, wouldn't you, if you wanted to keep your money in there to, to grow? I, I don't know how you would do that. It's a, no, 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 it's no. It's a conundrum. You're, you're, yeah, I'm, I'm not following the way you're thinking on this, Chris, but but follow this. So every year this there's a mandate here. Right. And, and every year you don't want your balance to be low. You want your balance to be high year after year after year growing, growing on top of each other. Well, yeah. And there's a certain percentage you have to take out, right? Isn't that... Correct. Yeah. Correct. There's a schedule. There's a schedule they have to take out, and 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 basically, it, it you you divide the. So let's suppose that you're seventy and a half. You take your prior year's December thirty first account balance and divide it by twenty seven point six, and you come up with a number. Okay. It it ends up being about three point six percent of your withdrawal in the first year. Okay. And so each year that percentage goes goes the divisor goes down a little bit, so your percentage of dollars goes up a little bit. But the point here in the question is, hey, with the markets at an all time high right now or floating right around it, is it a good time now in, in June of two thousand and seventeen to take my required distribution? So wow. suppose you know, the, the, I needed more information here, but suppose they were suppose this person said, you know, I, I usually want to take it out every October or November or whatever it may be. Because a lot of people do tend to take it out towards the beginning of the year or towards the end of the year. And so suppose this person was going to take it out at the end of the year, but now they're sitting here looking at it and they're going, well, gee, you know, if my required distribution's thirty grand, but my account's gone up by 50 why don't I just pull it out right now 
and theoretically, you know, the, the market has, has covered the cost of my required minimum uh, distribution this year. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I so the answer to your question is yes. It's a, it's a great time to pull it out. But if you're going to get caught into this, and I've seen people do this, here's the deal on this required minimum distribution uh, game of timing. If you're going to get caught up into the timing game on it, then if the markets go up higher by, for the ne- next half of the year, don't get upset that you pulled it out now. Okay. On the other hand, if the markets go down and you haven't pulled it out now, don't get upset that you didn't do it. So it's a timing game. You can't time the market. You're just getting lucky right now. If you haven't taken your RMD out and the market's replaced what, what you're due to take out, then obviously it's a good time to, to probably go ahead and, and, and go about doing to, that. It has to do with cash flow, too. I mean, you may need to take it out at certain times based on your needs as well, right? Oh, absolutely, Chris, yes. And and some people, re, you know, they some people take their RMDs out and requirement distributions out, and they don't need the money. They pay the tax and turn around and reinvest it. Other people live off of it. Other people give it to kids, grandkids, go on vacation, do something with it, you know, whatever it is that they do. So it depends on your cash flow needs. But the problem that we have is that it is being forced out, and most people, you know, want to turn right around and reinvest those dollars anyway when it, when it, when it just comes right down to it. It becomes a legacy so. thing. You want to give something to your kids and such, right? It, it, it can become a legacy thing, absolutely. Lots of people will take a look at this and look at, at – doing little conversions into Roth IRAs so that their required distributions are lower later in life, and then they're saving more money tax-free for their heirs. So there's lots of tools and lots of you know financial planning concepts and, and paths that, that one can take going down the road here. Hey, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to come back with some more email questions, but go ahead and give us a ring here this morning at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855 855- Seven six seven three one two three to reach me live here in the studio with any of your financial planning or investment questions. You want to jump in on on inheritance taxes. You want to jump in on the required minimum distributions. Whatever's on your mind this Saturday morning, give us a call at eight five five Rose one two three. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Housing prices and interest rates have started to move up. This may be your last chance to take advantage of low rates and housing bargains. If you're considering purchasing a home within the next year, you need to call Troy Terrell at McLean Mortgage First to take advantage of his Loan First program. This can give you a winning bid over the competition, even when you come up against cash offers. The Loan First program will have you fully pre-approved so that you understand all aspects of your loan before you start looking for your dream home. Buy in confidence when you have your Loan First certificate, which shows the seller your loan is already pre-approved and they can avoid any unnecessary negative surprises at settlement. Troy's been helping homeowners for over 20 years in the D.C. metro area, and he and his team are ready to help you. Call him today at 571-490-7117. That's 571-490-7117 for your loan first pre-approved certificate, 571-490-7117, or simply visit his website at anyhomeloans.com. Remember, you want control when you're making an offer on a home. Get your loan first certificate. Call Troy Terrell at McLean Mortgage. 571-490-7117. Troy Terrell and McLean Mortgage Corporations in MLS number 5618 and 99665. 
You're listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. If you'd like to dial in, here's our phone number, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Call at any time. We'd love to hear from you and answer your questions. Larry Rosenthal is right here, right now, Larry. I am right here, right now. Right here, right now. Yep. Pretty good of you, right? (laughs) (laughs) And you were talking about going to the eye doctor. Yeah. Well, I need to. You know, you get get a little bit older. The close-up vision... uh, you know, kind of remind you of your mortality, I guess. Yep, yep. So Gallup poll was out here recently, and in April of seventeen, two thousand and seventeen, and um, they interviewed a little over eighteen thousand adults, and fifty-four percent of them said that they own stocks. Was that good or bad, Chris? Yes. That's exactly right. You know my questions now. Yes, it is good and or bad, right? You know, at the end of the day here. We, we have to break down because, you know, they were talking about risky investments and things of that nature. And, and, and we have to break this down. And, and people need to understand this because the, the, the one of the worst things that can happen to people, especially in their retirement years, is the loss of purchasing power. And so when you take a look at what do we have to do to keep pace with taxes and inflation, you know, that is our purchasing power. You, you actually have three things. You have your gross rate of return, and then you subtract out three things, the fees for that investment, the taxes on that investment, and the inflation that's eroding away the purchasing power. And so those are the three things you have to subtract out when it comes to understanding and, and maintaining your purchasing power up to and through re- your retirement years. So when you, you break down and you say, well, all, a little over half the people surveyed have, have stocks, well, stocks tend to uh, historically outpace taxes and inflation, whereas bonds and cash historically tend not to. Now, we all know at the end of the day that, that as we get closer in time to needing our money, not necessarily closer in time to retirement, but closer in time to needing our money, the more conservative it needs to be. Bonds tend to be a little bit more conservative than stocks do. We get that and understand that. That's fine. The problem that we have here is that we need to make sure that we still have enough dollars on the stock side to outpace taxes and inflation through 20, 30 years in retirement years. That's the real big issue. That's the real big problem with everything there. So so when I see these surveys out and it shows a little bit more than 50% of the people actually own stocks, I often ask myself, well, why are they why, do they not understand the importance of purchasing power? And and oftentimes that is the case that, that people do not understand the risk of not owning a certain amount of stocks inside your portfolio because the risk is the loss of purchasing power. So it's important. So so for those of you that are listening to the show right now, Think to yourself, you know, what is my what is my um, uh, percentage of stocks versus bonds in my investments, and and, and you, you you know you you really need to make sure again that you're 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 looking at this, engaging this from a purchasing standpoint of view, n- not only short term but long term down the road into and through your, all of your retirement years. It's it's really important there. Um, to 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 really understand, you know, there's an old saying here that that stocks are ownership and bonds are loanership dollars. You're actually loaning somebody money, and that's why they're not going to keep pace with taxes and inflation a lot of the time. So, hey, it was also a big week this past week for the Fed. Fed raised rates again. 
Um, it was the uh, fourth time it's raised in this cycle. The first time it raised rates was uh, December 16th, 2015. What does that mean? What is that? Is that good, bad, or indifferent? You know, everybody was so concerned about the Fed raising rates back when they started doing it because as, as the interest rates tend to go up, it starts to choke off the capital and stuff to the economy. But since the, stock, since the Fed has started raising rates, the market's up 21%. Nice. Yes, very, very nice, Chris. So, you know, a little concerning. The 10-year note's fallen from about 2.3% down to about 2.15%, which shows business activity and things like that. So at the end of the day, if the Fed continues to raise its rates slowly and moderately, then, you know, things should should play out okay and not push us over into any type of a recession when it, when it comes to all that. So, you know, the Fed meets several times a year. It has, it has four more meetings this year, one in July, September, October, and December. So the Fed has four more meetings. And, you know, we've talked about the Fed before, but I, I, I get so many questions these days from, from clients and prospective clients asking, you know, how does the Fed really roll into this thing? What, what is the deal here? Are they politically connected? You know, is it a Republican or Democratic Fed and all that stuff? And Hey, maybe if we buy them coffee. No. What did you say? Maybe if we buy them coffee for their, for their, you know, their meeting and, you know, maybe help them out there, they could, they'll decide the way we want them to decide. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that's going to go far, Chris. <laughs> well, again, anyway. You said it happens at uh, a meeting, right? They get, they get together in these meetings. and they First have... of all, good luck getting in the building, okay? Okay. All right. Well, I'll try. Yep, there you go. There you go. But basically, the Fed has, you know, from a broad 10,000-foot view, two main mandates um, to conduct monetary policy. And, and, and one is to foster maximum employment as well as price stability. And they both fight against each other. Um, theoretically, when, when the Fed lowers interest rates, it fuels demand for credit uh, and encourages consumers and businesses to spend and invest. Uh, while, on the other hand, if, if the Fed feels that, that inflation is, at, is, is a bigger threat, then they'll go ahead and raise interest rates, and that will sort of slow down economic activity uh, only when they see inflation as a bigger threat. So the, the reason I'm tying this together here this morning in this little monologue that I'm doing is because I see, I see fuel prices dropping, and, and I don't see them really coming up back too much. You, know, you, you, never, you never know. I'm not trying to predict the price of fuel, but at the same time, that's a big component into, you know, how are we ticking along as far as targeting a 2% inflation rate that the Fed is trying to, to well, target. Do you understand the Fed? I mean, do they have this board of people that gets together and then they all kind of vote and make that decision? Or Oh, sure, Chris. Yeah, they have a board of governors, uh, the Federal Reserve. Um, let's see. It's got so a it system. Is it, it, there's 12 banks um, across the across the nation, and there's 24 branches or, or, or around the country. And there's a board of governors who vote. There's there's either voting members or non-voting members, and they all sit around and and they talk about you know. Um, you know, controlling monetary policy. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and 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 they all funnel everything up to to the two mandates that they have, which is to foster 
um, economic, uh, you know, maximum employment and, and price stability at the same time. You know, they, 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 they do all kinds of activities, you know, emergency lending. They did emergency buying and selling mm-hmm. back in the financial crisis. They stress test the banks. You know, our banks just went through the first round, as I mentioned at the top of the show, first round of stress testing here uh, in, in, in this cycle. They do that once a year. They, they do it for, for bank holding companies with $50 billion or more in assets, and they basically put them through sort of a mock type of an economic shock to see, you know, what happens to the banks. You know, can you handle this type of stress? Those types of things. They have mm-hmm. capital controls put into how much money the Fed has to have or banks have to have on deposit, um, lending, you know, all kinds of things. You know, coming out of the financial crisis, when um, Dodd-Frank was written, it, it, it put on more controls on the bank, and now they're talking about going, hey, look, the banking system has, has shored up. It's, it's strong. So now they're talking about releasing a little bit of that of the pressure that was put on underneath Dodd-Frank coming out of the financial crisis. And that's one of the neat things, too, about how the government works and how the Fed can work with Congress, um, you know, in, in – uh, in, 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 you know, this is a different time now. It's it's eight, you know, nine, ten years later. It's a different time. It's a different economic cycle that we're in. So, or a different stage of the cycle that we're in, I should say. And and now maybe it's time to tweak some of the old rules that were put in place during the time of crisis, which the time of crisis is not there anymore. So it's going to be interesting to see how a lot of that plays out. But yeah, I understand the Fed and what they do. And there's an old adage on Wall Street, Chris: you can't fight the Fed. You know, we are in an interest rate rising cycle that will dictate to us where we should and should not invest in certain asset classes. And if you fall asleep at the switch and that kind of stuff, then you know, well, yeah. you need to get some education on it. Definitely. Nice do. to be a fly on the wall. In one of those meetings, though, wouldn't it? It would be kind of an interesting thing to to, to see a meeting like that. Um, probably most people wouldn't like it, but it depends <laughs> what you're reading at night, you know. <laughs> I mean, some people are reading the sports page, and some people are reading, you know, well, the Fed was formed in 1913, and the reason why was blah, 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 blah. You I know? like to watch paint dry myself, you know. There you go. Yeah. That's exactly right. So, good deal. <laughs> hey, people can go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and you can uh, shoot me off an email and come on into our email bag, and, and we'll be happy to respond with any of your email questions. We send out lots of information uh and and some people even call back and and say you know hey uh you got a long email question here you know thought thought we'd give you a courtesy call and and go over your question with you that brings that up you guys answer questions all the time on the phone too right i mean any kind of question that people have they that's my point Yeah, yeah people call the office and and um you know, we, we give them a lot of questions or give them a lot of information. No doubt about that. So, hey, let's uh, keep the phone lines open. Give us a ring here this morning at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. With any of your financial planning or investment questions on anything at all, your 401K plan, your government TSP, if you have the right types of will or trust in place, insurance, whatever your needs may be, give us a call, 855-ROSE-123. Listen to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment.
Have you ever wanted to be part of something big? Nonprofit organization called Stars Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life? Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise. Now you can be part of something that brings hope. What we do is we actually pay for the school fees. For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year. We pay for the school fees, and that averages around $500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the, the uniform, that whole thing. Call now, 703-201-2494, or go to starschildrenafrica.org. For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school. 703-201-2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703-201-2494. You are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, making money sense. If you'd like to dial in, we have some lines available for you right now, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Larry Rosenthal, our financial and retirement expert here in studio. Larry. Sure, let's welcome John on the line. Good morning, John. How are you today? Hey, John, can I get you uh, to turn down your radio for me? It's uh, interfering with us a little bit there, kind of sending back. Are we good? There you go. Go right ahead. What's your question? Hey, uh, thanks for the comments on the required minimum distribution. Uh, I turned 70 and a half last year, and uh, and so, uh, therefore, I was uh, setting forth to take my distribution. Um, one of the things I just would advise you to maybe share with your audience is that you need to add up all of the IRAs that you have in order to apply the factor that IRS provides you to take the distribution. It's not just one of all of the IRAs that you had that where you've deferred the tax liability. On top of that, if you happen to be someone who is fortunate enough to uh, have a 457 account, which is kind of like a deferred compensation account, you have to apply that factor separately to that account in addition to the others. Kind of got caught up in some bad information uh, didn't hurt myself because in the first year when you turn 70 and a half, you have until April the 15th of the following year in order to take that distribution. But that's only in the first year. And then finally, um, you might want to share that if you fail to take the distribution in the year that it's required, you get a 50% penalty. So it's well advised to make sure you take it. And yes, John, plus you get taxes on top of what you should have taken as well on top that's of that. That's correct. Absolutely. Yep. It's, that's exactly. a double whammy. And you are correct, and, and a lot of people will um, – there's a scramble that happens a lot of times because you're, you have to add up all your different IRAs. And, and for people that, aren't, that don't understand what you're talking about, you, let's suppose you have three IRAs. You have, you have uh, one IRA with 100000 in it, another one with 200000 and another one with 300000 So you've got a total of $600,000 in IRAs. So you can take your required minimum, required minimum distribution from one of them, but you have to satisfy the calculation on all $600,000. Or you can take it out of each one individually, or you can take it from two of them. You just have to satisfy the aggregate amount of it. That's that's exactly correct. And a lot of people will make a mistake when it comes to that. That's why so often 
when people get 70 and a half, it's important to sort of have your IRA sort of in one place. I didn't say invest all the money in one spot, but it's a lot easier from an accounting standpoint to have them with one advisor or, or in one institution. That way you don't, you're not searching around for different statements from different companies and things of that nature. And you have to really right. stay st- Yep, you really have to but stay on top be, of it. Be advised, be advised, as I said, you know, if you have a, an employer-deferred compensation account, that's treated separately from the IRS. You've got to take that distribution out. So you can't add that into that 500000 to get to six. So you've got there's, to a, the, there's a couple of other quirky things al- along the line, too, when you dive down into the weeds on other different types of accounts as well. One thing that's overlooked, too, John, is is, is an option that people that are 70 and a half you, or older with their RMDs, you can take that money if you're charitably inclined, and you can just tell your custodian to say, hey, instead of sending me the RMD, send a check to XYZ Charity or to ABC Church. And that will satisfy your RMD, and at the same time, uh, you don't have to pay any taxes on it and do the tax deduction thing or anything like that. And you can just send it right over to 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 the uh, uh, the charitable institution that you want. So, very good call, John. I appreciate the phone call. Good luck with your RMDs, and uh, stay on top of it. You know, it's it's important. And one of the, one of the things too, as long as we're talking about RMDs, you seem to know a lot about them, which is very very good, and it's healthy is that as people get into their latter 70s and mid-80s, they start to get into a spend-down cycle of their RMDs. In other words, the percentage that you're having to pull out in your in your latter 80s and stuff is large enough that if you start having to pull it out in a downturn, you could actually get into a thing where you're starting to spend down principal. So re- just remember those rules on, on spending down. You know, if you want to withdraw no more than, you know, the general rule of thumb is, you know, about 4% plus or minus a little bit of your investments. That way you, you know, will try not to run out of money over a long period of time in retirement years. However, some of the RMD ages start you having to pull out 4 and 5 and 6% you know as as we continue to age through through life so just be aware of that so one of the things that a lot of people that are doing that are that have money in in retirement accounts over 70 and a half is they're looking for ways to infuse cash into their IRAs that way that will help them from from a possible spend down later in life uh, what I mean by that is looking at your higher dividend paying type stocks you know some some publicly traded real estate trusts maybe even doing some covered call writing and, and options and things like that and good quality blue chip dividends. That way you're getting cash infused into the accounts without having to spend down the shares to satisfy the RMDs. So lots of good information out there, John. I appreciate the phone call. Hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Any of your financial planning or investment questions at, 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 that you may have at all. If you want some information on the request, Required minimum distributions. Be happy to send it out to you. Just give us a call again, eight five five Rose one two three, or simply go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and we'll send you out some information on required minimum distributions as well. So it's all you know. It is a tax penalty, that's for sure. Fifty percent, not happy. Plus the taxes that you have to pay should you pull should you have pulled the dollars out correctly to begin with one so. neat thing that came out of that conversation was that charitable contribution i did not know that and that's 
kind of a nice thing to be able to help out a charity and by the same time save a little bit on taxes. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's uh, so, you know, something that people aren't aware of a lot. Of. You know, just remember, Chris, that the tax code is, you know, it, it's 10 feet tall, and the first seven feet of it tells you how they're going to, you know, take money from us, but the last three feet tells you how to minimize it or, or do some good things with, 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 with the dollars. I, I thought the first 10 feet were just the, uh, the title. <laughs> there you just, go. Just the, there yeah. you go. Yep. Let's welcome Joseph hey, on the line. Good morning, Joseph. How are you today? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you, sir? Okay, I was just hearing you talk about uh, being able to uh, use your uh, TSP or 401k as a charitable contribution. Do you have to wait to seven and a half, or can you, at say, at 62, start doing that? Well, the the rule here, what we were talking about is. At 70 and a half, you're starting to take the required minimum distributions out, and you can instruct the custodian of the account, you know, wherever the money's held, to write a check to the charity, and it will count as satisfying your RMD. Now, if you're under 70 and a half, there's no requirement to pull the money out, okay? Um, and And so... Over 70 and a half, people are saying, well, you know what? I don't need this money. I'm going to go ahead and just send it to a charity anyway, and they're going to get the money tax-free because they're a nonprofit. Under 70 and a half, there's no, again, there's no requirement to do so, but if you would, if you would instruct your, your um, uh, custodian to do that, then it's not going to show up on your taxes. There's really not going to be any, any type of benefit to you. Uh, I, I, I'd have to really look that law up because if you, if you okay. work your way through it here, Joseph, in the RMD, it's going to record as being satisfied for your, for your required minimum distribution going to the charity over 70 and a half, but you're not going to get a tax bill on it. On the other hand, if you're under 70 and a half and you want to send it over, then I, well, obviously the custodian will get it and the charity will be happy to take it but I don't believe you're going to be able to get a deduction on your tax return to do it, okay? Okay. So what I'm hearing then at seven and a half, uh, if you send it over to a charity, say the church or whatever, when time to do your income taxes, you'll be credited as that's a charitable contribution. Well, no, not really. You'll be – you will just not have to pay taxes on the money that well, went. Okay. Correct. I Right. They're just they're just bypassing that step for you, which is a good thing. On the other hand, if you pulled the money out, put it in your pocket, paid taxes on it, and made the charitable deduction, then you'd get the credit for it. But I like the idea better of just having the charity send it direct or the uh, investment account send it directly to the charity. It's a lot cleaner that way. Okay, if you okay, want, I'll put you, you on hold, and I'll be happy to send you out some information on it, okay? Okay, thank you. Yep, let me put you on hold, and Bob will get some contact information from you, and we'll send you out some information on all of that. Appreciate the phone call, Joseph. Have a great weekend. Let's go ahead and welcome uh, Joanna on the line. Good morning, Joanna. How are you today? Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. Good. I'm well. How can I help you? Well, I'm uh, 80 years old, recently sold some property, and I want to place it in some investments, but of course, I'm not one for risk. I had my bath with that one. So I'm wondering what's the best way to go, uh, treasury bonds or something else. 
Joanna, what's your investment objective besides being, you know, conservative and risk averse? Do you want it to produce income for you? Do you want that income to be? Uh, do do you want the account to one day pass on to an heir to a charity? What what is your objective with the investment? Okay, that's that's exactly right. It's, uh, it will be passed on uh, to my heir. It's right now it's in a irrevocable trust. That's how it was sold. Okay, so it's in an irrevocable trust. Irrevocable trust, yes. Okay, so then the trustee is going to direct the investment. Uh, uh, philosophy, if you will, of the of the account, right? Right, so, with my advice. Okay, so there's there's two schools of thought here, and I've seen people do this a couple of different ways. And I want to okay. bring something, you know, may, maybe that you haven't thought of to the table right now. If if right. if you're investing this money mainly for the purpose of your heirs. then some people will say, I'm going to make the investment decisions based off of my heir's age and need down the road instead of your risk-averse scenario. Follow follow what I'm saying here is let's suppose that your heirs are are 50 years old, okay? Okay. And they're going to need this money for the rest of their lives till they're 90 years old. Do you see what I mean? Right. So maybe yeah. you should look – so some people will say, well, I'm going to go ahead and invest it according to what their ages are versus, on the other hand, you saying, well, look, I'm, I'm risk-averse. I don't want to have a lot of risk in this because I want to pass it on to my heirs one day. Mm-hmm. Then And then I've seen people in your situation say, you know what, I, I understand my heirs that if they had the money now, they'd invest it totally different than the way I want to invest it, but it's still my money, and I still want to make sure that there's – you know, a little risk to it so that they at least get this. So so think about that right there. That's the one I'm thinking about, the one you just said. Okay, then then in the latter one, then, then you know, there's several different types of investments that are available to go into the trust there. And in this case here, I would look at, if, if we want to be risk adverse, I would look at doing what's called a laddered bond portfolio with um, what they call estate puts on it. And the way this works, they're called estate puts. Estate puts, okay. Yep. And the way this works is like this: is you would take the dollars, and you would you would let's just do a very very simple illustration. Let's suppose it's five hundred thousand dollars, and now we want to take it and divide it up into little tranches of bonds. Let's suppose we're going to do a twenty thousand dollar bond here, a twenty thousand dollar bond there, a twenty thousand dollar bond there. Just just different amount. Just and. So so the first bond is going to mature, let's say, December of 2017. Then the second $20,000 bond might, might mature in March of 2018. And then the third $20,000 bond might mature in, in July of 2018, so forth and so on. It sort of just ladders out the maturities. Do you follow what I mean? Right. I've and done that with CDs. Exactly. But now we're going to do it with bonds. And oh, in okay. this scenario here, what – the interest rates are rising. We're in an interest rate rising cycle, so that means that that the bond interest is still coming in, and you're still getting paid the interest. However, on paper, the principal could be going down because interest rates are rising. However, when the bond matures every four or five months, a different bond matures. It always matures back at its par value, so you never experience that 
loss in, in principle as interest rates are rising. This is how you have to do it in a rising interest rate environment. So you break up the bonds into lots of little different bonds so that they're always maturing. Now, somewhere along the line, if you were to pass, the estate put on the bond enables your heirs to receive it back at its full principal maturity value. Okay, So if there was a bond that was down because interest rates were going up and it hadn't matured yet and you were to pass, then the, then the estate put kicks in and, and replenishes it back to the original principal of the bond. Okay, so, so that's one scenario on how to look at doing it. It's called laddering bonds with an estate put. And then the second way is to look at some credit risk bonds. Some, they're called bank loan bonds or floating interest rate bonds. They tend to do well when interest rates are rising and the economy is expanding. So you have two real good choices right there. Um, two, two systems to really take a good, solid look at on, on how to go about managing having a very conservative portfolio, getting a, a, a little bit better interest rate than what the banks will offer today, but at the same time protecting your principal from, from downturns or, or one day if you pass. That would be the best ways to go kind, about doing it. What kind of bonds are we talking about? All different kinds of bonds. I mean, you can get, oh, you know, are, are you, okay. yeah, like corporate bonds, um, you know, right. bonds that are back. Um, I'm not sure if treasuries will have an estate put on them or not, but I know okay. corp, corporate bonds do, okay? And I can look in to see if treasuries will. Um, but treasuries are going to carry your most um, uh, risk when it comes to interest rates rising. So that's why we need to look at more of your corporate bonds that have the estate puts on them uh, and then ladder them out. Now, treasuries you can ladder out as well. I'm just not sure if they have the estate puts on them uh, if something yeah, were to happen. This is a great help. Yeah, a lot for me to look at and uh, to read. I appreciate very much the information. Absolutely. If you like, I'll be happy to send you out some information on it all. I can put you on hold and okay. Bob will get your information. Yep. Appreciate the phone call, yeah. Joanna. Hold on a second. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for calling. Uh, you're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. We're going to take a quick break here. Keep the phone lines open, though, Chris. Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Housing prices and interest rates have started to move up. This may be your last chance to take advantage of low rates and housing bargains. If you're considering purchasing a home within the next year, you need to call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage First to take advantage of his Loan First program. This can give you a winning bid over the competition, even when you come up against cash offers. The Loan First program will have you fully pre-approved so that you understand all aspects of your loan before you start looking for your dream home. Buy in confidence when you have your Loan First certificate, which shows the seller your loan is already pre-approved and they can avoid any unnecessary negative surprises at settlement. Troy's been helping homeowners for over 20 years in the D.C. metro area, and he and his team are ready to help you. Call him today at 571-490-7117. That's 
571-490-7117 for your loan first pre-approved certificate. 571-490-7117 or simply visit his website at anyhomeloans.com. Remember, you want control when you're making an offer on a home. Get your loan first certificate. Call Troy Turo at McLean Mortgage. 571-490-7117. Troy Turo and McLean Mortgage Corporations in MLS number 5618 and 99665. You're listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in, here's a phone number for you to talk to our financial and retirement expert here in studio with us today and every Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Give us a call right now. I have some lines available to talk to Larry Rosenthal. Larry. Sure, Chris. Uh, I was reading a survey here this past week on how much should you save for retirement? A lot. A lot. A there lot. you go. Big number. Well, that's a good question. Big, that's big a good numbers. Answer. Yep. So, so what's a lot? Uh, as much as you need. Okay, as much as you need. How do you figure out what you need, right? That's why I have you. That's the question, right? So in Luke fourteen twenty eight, it says, For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Some good biblical advice there, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about saving money for retirement. How much do we need? You know, all the surveys out there are talking about, well, you need 70 to 80% of, of, of things. And, and, you know, there's all kinds of information out there on Employee Benefit Research Institute, Social Security Administration, just, you know, more and more and more and more all the time. How much do you need? Well, when it comes to, to how much one needs, it's a little bit different than, than what the average, you know, across the nation might need. For for example, you know, they say, well, you're not going to spend money on business clothes anymore and the commuting and lunches out and all that kind of stuff. But and and, and then you're not going to spend, uh, you, you know, you're not going to be able to to put, you know, out of your income, save more money into your retirement plan. So you don't need to say, you know, you don't need to really replace all of your income, maybe 70 to 80 percent of your pre-retirement income. And that all assumes, by the way, in these surveys that your mortgage is paid for. Yeah. Right. Well, there's a lot of people that don't necessarily have their mortgage paid for in retirement years. So how much do you really need? And remember, when you're not working, when you're working, you're spending probably eight to 10 hours a day doing work functions, getting to and from work, getting home, relaxing, all that kind of stuff. And when you're not working, you're spending those 8 to 10 hours a day entertaining yourself. Or doing some other kind of work. Or doing some other kind of work. That's exactly correct. So so bottom line here is, you know, I see these surveys out, and and I'd like to be asking the questions on the surveys a lot of times, Chris. But so. Well, you, you have actually said, and I think... You even said that, that you're a little naive if you think you're going to spend less money than you do during your working life. Because yes, most, because most, most people end up spending more, pretty much yeah. the same amount of or money. Here, here's a rule of thumb for, you know, to, I hate to use the rule of thumb because there's only two out of the ten, right? But, <laughs> but when, when you, yeah, when you, when you well, say. Well, I have all thumbs. I don't know about you. There you go. When you say, hey, you know, how much do you need? Stop and ask yourself a different question. Do you like your current lifestyle? And a lot of people say, well, yeah, I like my current lifestyle. Okay, I was working with a client earlier this week, and she said, well, you know, I like my lifestyle that I have right now. Okay, so you have to sort of back into building out the financial plan according to your current lifestyle that you have. 
Take a look at estimating your Social Security. A lot of people overlook this, and they say, I don't know what to do. Go to ssa.gov. Register there. Do the retirement estimator at ssa.gov. Look at what your Social Security is you know, predicted to, to, to deliver for you. You know, the, the, you know how, how much have you, have you set aside in order for Social Security, or, or I'm sorry, how much have, are, is Social Security going to make up in your retirement years? They used to send you out this little paper every year that would tell you how much you've been paying in and all of that. Do they still do that? I haven't seen it. In they life. stopped it, and now they're starting it again. Okay. Um, you know, stop and think about this here, Chris. For In 2017, the maximum that someone can qualify for Social Security is $2,687 a month. Okay? Well, if you were to take that money and put it into a pre-tax account earning 1%, which is a very low, you know, rate. You'd need about three point two million dollars mm. sitting aside, okay, in order to generate that type of income. So when you when you stop and think about how much money Social Security is going to send you over your retirement years, that's a lot of dollars that's basically been set aside in order in order to to you know fund. It. But on the other hand, we've also put in a lot of money into it as well. There's there's no doubt about that. But Getting coming around full circle, getting all the way back to how much should you set aside and save for retirement? How much do you want to replace in your retirement? And again, a lot of people think 70%, 80%. I think it's different. On the other hand, I work with people on the front lines with this all the time, week in and week out, day after day. And a lot of people want to replace their current income level, their current standard of living. You know, so you have kind of makes do, the most sense to me. Yeah, it it really does. So you have to sort of back into saying, okay, well, how much money is coming into the account after my taxes and four hundred one k deductions and health care deductions and all that kind of stuff? Uh, that's the number that I want to replace. And how, how do we build an investment live? portfolio? How do we how do we design our lifestyle so that we can look at doing that? Some things too that that a lot of people are are uh, uh, looking at as well is that. Suppose they want to stay in their same home, and let's suppose that their home has, oh, I don't know, five years left of mortgage payments on it, and there's a balance of maybe eighty grand or something like that, but it's running you $1,800, let's say $2,000 a month. I'm just doing some loose math here, $2,000 a month, okay? A lot of people then will realize, you know what, I'm not getting much of a tax deduction. I'm going to go ahead and, and withdraw the eighty grand from my investments and pay off the mortgage, and now save myself eighteen hundred, two thousand dollars a month in principal and interest payments. Right? Uh, people are chopping down their mortgage the last handful of years because they want their cash flow to be cleaned up. I understand that, and a lot of times the math does work to to look at doing that. So, what are your plans with your mortgage? What are your plans with your current home when it comes to putting, you know, building out that retirement income? Uh, cash flow scenario a lot of people say hey you know what we're not staying in this house we're going to sell the home take the equity out of it and buy a, a, a smaller home for cash perfect okay so you have to really stop and, and look to see how much should i save for retiring well you had it right chris a lot right <laughs> and but at the same time how much do you need how much do you want to replace and be thinking about replacing a hundred percent 
I know that goes against the tide, but I'm telling you, I see this happening all the time out there. People say, no, I want to replace 100%. How do I go about building investments? How do I go about reducing expenses? How do I go about saving more money in order to replace 100% of my pre-tax, I'm sorry, my pre-retirement years income? Now, obviously, if you're a high, high income earner, that might be harder to, 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 to you know, Obtain, but at the same time, for the average people out there, that's pretty much what the goal is, and that's what a lot of people have been shooting for. So, hey, if you want to shoot shoot me out an email, go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com. We'll be happy to put your email questions on uh, on the air next Saturday, and we'll send you out some information as well. We've got a couple of them this week, and uh, we'll probably have some more next week. So for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. This coming week, again, if you have questions or anything, give the office a call at 855-ROSE-123 or simply visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com. We'll see you back next Saturday with another session of the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.